Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 9 of the Gamer Talk podcast. My guest today is Hannah Watts. She's 27 years old and works as a senior prop artist for Ubisoft Reflections in Newcastle. Hey Hannah, amazing we could figure out the recording and episode. How are you doing today? <laughs> Hello, thank you for having me on. It's a real pleasure to be here. So as a common as a common thing, give the, give the listeners a short introduction of yourself. What are you currently doing? How is, how is your life going on in this crazy, crazy world nowadays? <laughs> Sure. Uh, so yeah, I, I work at Ubisoft Reflections. I've been here um, just coming up to two months. And um, prior to that, I was working as uh, art lead at Coatsync, which is also in the northeast of England. And um, that was mostly like uh, VR games and Switch games, so much more indie. Uh, but I also worked as a senior contract artist for Decagon, who uh, do um, outsourcing and asset packs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been in the industry about about five years, I think. Mm -hmm. I graduated in 2014, uh, but I briefly worked in web development, so I, I don't count that. Um, okay. So, so yeah. So you switched shops during this quarantine. So how was it? You didn't meet any of your stuff, right? Any of of, of your know, stuff or? Uh, no. So obviously, I met the guys that interviewed me um, mm -hmm. in uh, back in February, I think. Um, but yeah, the rest of my team, um, well, I know one of, I know one person on my team, but, um, yeah, the rest of the team I've, I've not met outside of, uh, video calls. So yeah, it's a, it's a strange situation uh, onboarding during a quarantine, but it's been, it's gone pretty smoothly actually. And I've kind of, kind of adjusted to working from home now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think you have worked from home before, right? When you were a contract artist for Decogon. So... Well, that was at the same time as I worked for Coasting. Ah, so yeah, okay. I um, okay. I would okay. uh, come home and work in the evening. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I have I've obviously got my setup. I'm used to freelancing. Um, it's I'm I'm lucky that I have my own office, so I have that kind of. Oh, that's a great. Um, that's a great the, you know, once I cross over the threshold, mm -hmm. uh, it's like I'm I'm in work mode and. Yeah, I don't really use my PC for gaming anymore, even though that's I you know I, I spec'd it out so that I could. I don't really so yeah it's pretty much just my work machine now yeah that's pretty funny you always have a have an amazing work machine and you don't play any games and you just yeah use it for work i know and i i actually have like a wasd tattoo on my wrist from when i was 18 and i just feel like a massive fraud now because i don't <laughs> play any uh, so as you let's let's come a bit more on the art side so you as you being a senior prop artist uh can you give me a short glimpse of what makes a perfect prop sure um i guess it's it very much depends on the context yeah um, I, i think yeah, there's different answers depending on you know what the project is what the art style is um but i'd say in terms of portfolio um so for my stuff i, I make a lot of mine just for fun and for practice and um, you know, just to like develop skills. But mm -hmm. if you are making stuff for your portfolio, then I think a lot of it comes down to uh, textures and materials now. You know, there's such a, a drive to have materials that respond how they would in real life. And I think people's eyes, like even just, you know, non-game dev eyes are starting to adjust and be, uh, can tell when something is um, not looking right. Mm -hmm. So I'd say, yeah, like, Stuff like dust and residue building up, as you would expect in real life, is like a real big one that I think I think people are starting to 
uh, like click onto. Like there's a lot of advice out there about um, you know damage and wear and dirt that makes sense. I think people are transitioning away. You know, like when smart materials and generators were new, like a few years ago, I think there was a tendency for them to be like slapped onto art and just left. Yeah, but I think yeah. people a shift like as a whole are shifting away from that now you know that's people are starting to i'm seeing a lot more convincing props on art station basically um so yeah definitely uh, attention to detail in the textures and materials and uh using reference and dissecting reference um so but also i'd, I'd say like a good always a good wireframe um mm-hmm. i actually don't show my wireframe as like a huge amount but um, it's just like good practice things like save your geometry for where you need it, you know, stuff that affect the silhouette yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, you want to use a lot of geometry on like round things and maybe not so much on like flat things because you don't need it. Um, so just being mindful of that, you know, use it, use it where you need it. Just good practice. So like you can say that all your portfolio stuff they, these are all hero props, as as a prop artist would call it, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, a lot of like stuff I do in production would not be as yeah. uh, meticulous <laughs> as w- that. And and that's what I want to hear the real difference when it comes also when it comes to speed. You know, because the development, um, yeah, speed is time is always a big huge value when it comes to game <laughs> development. So, do you have the time to? Yeah, to crank out the details in a in a game in an in-game prop as as you will be working on. If you were working on something that you know was a hero prop, mm-hmm. then yeah, you could probably make an argument that you need the extra time. Um, but yeah, for everything else, the player isn't gonna. Well, not every player is gonna get their face like right up to a prop and you'd be inspecting like the stickers and the the metal plaques on them and stuff so yeah you you do have to make some shortcuts and you have to know like yeah like what corners can be cut in in terms of detail like, and I think a lot actually I used to work in like stylized art so a lot of working stylized is knowing how to take a reference and abstract it and you know, take out like, like boil it down to its core essence and I think some of that does apply to just like, let's just say like generic props, you know, that you have to, as you say, crank out, um, you know, what do you need to get in that prop so it communicates what it is and what it does without spending, you know, days on something that a player might not ever see, you know, it might be in shadow or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is like, you know, silhouette, using accurate materials, um, scale obviously is a big one. So, yeah, it's it's very rare that I would spend. I mean, like I think the coffee machine that I did that everyone seems to know about. <laughs> uh, I think I did that over like a couple of weekends because I hadn't really worked um, with a really really shiny metal before. Like my props prior to that were quite, you know, they were all dielectrics and they were quite rough. Um, so it took me a while to figure out how to get convincing shiny metal and how to get the, the wear on it right, but. Yeah, you wouldn't have, you know, like four or five days to work on something like that in production. Just a coffee machine, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And you wouldn't even need to worry about like the tiny little minuscule wipes. Um, You'd you'd probably, you'd put some on, but you wouldn't worry about like hand painting it on all the crevices um, because it's just, you know, it's diminishing returns at that point. 
yeah but that's where the heart the heart of the artists are really going mm -hmm. away it's uh, why i do a lot of personal stuff as you know if i do want to do something really meticulous and if i find it you know, therapeutic then i can do that in my personal work where i have the luxury of time yeah that's a luxury so would you say that the your your portfolio only has to consist of hero props um it depends what you're going in for mm -hmm. um i've discussed this a little bit in a few articles and podcasts i've done okay. but um my so i obviously have a, a, an experience of working in the game industry already you know i've been in all lead and i've worked with pipelines and i work in, i've worked in the engine um i've dealt with like the production side of things um so i have that to contribute to my portfolio uh, but if you're coming in straight outside uh, sorry, straight from uni obviously you won't have the experience of like or if you know if you're self-trained as well not just if you're coming out of uni but uh, you won't have the the years of experience to kind of back up your portfolio i guess mm -hmm. so i would say in those situations it's better to show like a mix like definitely have one or two hero props that you know you go absolutely ham on and you just get them looking really nice and really nicely rendered um but i think it maybe in like an offline portfolio that you take to an interview or something maybe if you have some examples of more generic props just so you can talk about your processes because uh, mm -hmm. i think that's really important at interviews um, is to talk about how you would approach you know different tasks or kind of what workflows you're used to um obviously like a really quick prop that you know you're just shoving in your unreal scene or whatever you might not want to put on art station but maybe like a blog or something like something a bit more informal i, I use twitter a lot for my work in progresses for example okay um, so yeah it's a bit of a a, a mixed answer i guess but yeah, no, no linear path really so i just saw your flip normals um prop tutorial and i also will put it in the info box so people can check it out um how did you how did you, did you plan the the tutorial did you just make it one by yourself and then make one guided tour or did you start it from bottom how was your approach to to creating a tutorial in this in this huge huge uh, thing not just the small tips and tricks um well it was it was a challenge i'd never done something like that before um and the guys at flip normals like they were really great they just said um you know we want you to mm -hmm. uh, make a tutorial on this but the the subject and how you structure it is totally up to you um so at first that was a little bit intimidating because i didn't know how to structure it um obviously i've watched some tutorials in the past so i you know you kind of have an understanding of what is easy to digest, to digest and what isn't. So at first, before I got into any of the planning, I just wanted to pick the prop. Um, I wanted to pick something that had a few different material definitions on it and had a fair bit of detail. You know, if this was going to be like a four or five hour tutorial, it needed to be fairly complex so that I could demonstrate different workflows and different approaches. and you know, what to think about when you're putting in those details. So I kind of just spent uh, an evening just looking through eBay and um, 
museums and like online museum collections and stuff because I, I knew I wanted to do something like fairly antique because they have the best in my opinion they have the best work yeah. um and there was a few things that I thought about I thought about doing like an antique calculator and I think I was looking at like a, a welding uh, like a blowtorch thing at the at one point um I had to make sure I was searching art station to make sure that there wasn't already like loads of whatever I was going to make and the gas meter I discovered them on like a uh, actually a Wikipedia that is from my hometown, uh, which is in uh, the northwest of England. And there was all these stories about um, like people had put their stories about like the gas man coming around, and there were always like fun little anecdotes. Um, and obviously, they look really nice. Like, they're quite, I mean, they're like a mundane object, but in terms of design, they look quite nice. So I, I ended up going with that. Then in terms of planning. Um, yeah, first I tried to model and talk over the top of it, and it is so, so hard. Like, I I just couldn't do it. Like, I was listening back to the recordings, and I would just, like, stop halfway through a sentence and forget what I was saying. Yeah. So I, I think I did about half an hour of that before I realized that that was absolutely not the, like, the approach I was going to take. <laughs> I think you have to be quite practiced. Yeah. Um, so... Then I just kind of wrote a very loose script um, for each section. And um, I would try and not read it one-to-one because I was aware that that could sound quite inorganic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I just ended up going with the scripted route and I, I recorded my uh, audio in, because I used DaVinci Resolve to edit it, which is a free program. Uh, so I just recorded my audio as I was editing, editing it, and it just went straight over the, the um, video. So yeah, it was a, it was a fun challenge. Not saying I've done before. Really big time investment. I think I underestimated yeah. how. I just how much time I, I just see your duration. It's like five hours recording time, and I think it will be like the four times the the five hours. I guess in just preparation and recording and back and forth and trying out stuff, right? Oh, totally. I actually remember um, I was speaking to one of my friends who, uh, Mike Kinsey, who uh-huh. uh, has done like a lot of, I think he's done like a lot of art station learning videos and stuff. Yeah, and for Blender. I was speaking to him, I was like, I've been editing for two hours and I've only got 30 seconds done. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is this normal? And he, he was just like, yeah, unfortunately. Um, but I, I got quicker as it went on. Uh, it's just not something. Yeah, I think it's I a practice. Do. You, oh totally you i mean a... i went to a media arts college mm-hmm. um well my high school was supposedly a media arts college and i think i did a little bit of editing and then never never did it again <laughs> until now that's super dope I, i will have a look at it in the future oh yeah that'd be great yeah I, i've had quite a few good feedback from people um yeah feels like it was helpful um i was quite worried about putting it out there because I was kind of it's the first time I've made my workflow public and yeah. my work for this was is quite a traditional one you know it's just high poly to low poly and then um texturing and substance mm-hmm. so I didn't feel like it was you know who it's am like, I to be giving advice kind yeah, of thing yeah it's just a standard basic workflow every most most of the artists are using right but mm-hmm. On the on the on the yeah on the program side and on the structure side, but your your maybe your substance painter approaches are pretty different, like from 
you maybe you're using other masks and levels and stuff yeah maybe i i do hope people learn something new from it um i definitely most of the things are just tips and tricks that i've picked up from other people like from other places here and there um which i think i mentioned them in the tutorial like if i'm trying out a certain approach to something i'll normally say like oh i saw this in this video mm -hmm. so that people know where they can look for if they want to kind of delve a bit deeper all right so uh, did you uh, you're pretty sure i'm pretty sure you did you, you did watch the unreal 5 engine announcement video right <laughs> yes i think everyone did uh, <laughs> exploded how was your how was your mood after the video i was pretty hyped like yeah. everyone yeah I, yeah it, i think it's a very good thing it was like an amazing announcement to get people motivated and to get people talking about next gen i think there's always that you know before a new generation comes out there's always like a big buzz like and a lot of speculation as well like oh what's it gonna mean I do think some people have higher expectations. I do think things are going to change overnight. No, yeah. Um, exactly. it's, it's interesting. Sorry, go on. Yeah, that's pretty exactly. I, I can't imagine that the that the that the industry is changing overnight with all these new new um, yeah announcements. No, and I actually saw an interesting tweet. Um, I can't remember who from, but basically saying that the it was basically cautioning people against getting to you know, getting their expe expectations too high because apparently the unreal 4 demo was very similar and uh, promised a lot of things that kind of didn't didn't materialize as people expected or maybe just didn't materialize till very like late in the in like the, the dev cycle um i've not actually watched it so i can't comment but it's it was interesting to hear someone's perspective on that yeah so I would I would be interested on your perspective from an, from a pop art a pro prop art side. So would you say with all the um yeah all the the, the poly budgets and stuff how how are you gonna think about that? Um, I I don't think it will be as insane as the video made out. Like I. Yeah. Or at least not yet. I don't think it will be a case of like, oh, we just scrapped poly budgets entirely. Um, I think there still needs to be some discipline, and I don't. I definitely don't think uh, new artists or students should deprioritize learning optimization. I mm -hmm. think that it's still going to be a thing for a few years. Um, but in terms of kind of my trajectory. I am wondering whether photogrammetry is going to be the norm and kind of handmade assets may be reserved for games with more of like a, a distinct style, you know, kind of like Borderlands or yeah. uh, Dishonored, which kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're high poly, they're very high fidelity, but they're stylized. Or things that can't be scanned, you know, like from historic things that you know just don't exist anymore. Or sci-fi, obviously. Yeah, stuff that um, doesn't but exist. I, but, yeah realistic stuff yeah i wonder if like, scans are going to take over i've actually started ordering kit to i've never done photogrammetry before and mm -hmm. um, last weekend i spent some time reading up on the different types of scanning and the equipment that you need and uh, i my poor bank account before payday because i started ordering kit to so that i can begin dabbling in it and so i've got Got my tripod on the way. I've got some light boxes. I've got some um, LED lights coming. 
So, because I, I feel like it's if I don't fill that skill gap, you know, you always risk becoming obsolete as the industry moves on. Yeah, and I think when it comes to the poly side, um, it would be just a waste if the if the if the stuff doesn't look better to just put out put out the polys and yeah, just throw it in the engine and it looks good and it's amazing, but it would be just a waste. Like when it comes also to 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 disc size for a PlayStation Five game, for example, this is not um yeah infinite. And you know, it's poly budgets aren't everything. There's a lot of other things in a game that can be quite expensive, you know, animations, mm -hmm. crowd simulations, like fluid, particles, um, just make, like the way the design works and stuff. Like there's a lot of things that can begin to bloat a game without Polycom even coming into it. So yeah, it's I definitely don't think it should be a case of people just slapping in whatever. Um, it's yeah, it, I can imagine it getting out of hand very quickly. I think it's just good to demonstrate, you know, that we are, moving in that direction towards hardware that can support you know a lot of information um because i think there was a worry with the last gen that um i've forgotten what it's called there's that thing where i cannot remember it's something about where the the speed of processes like doubles every mm. year yeah, or something I know what you mean yeah, yeah but uh, there was a worry that that has had started to flatten out like we couldn't go much smaller in terms of chip size and stuff yeah. like that um so it's nice to see that there are still, you know, like improvements and advancements to be made. Jobs for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as you having been the art lead or our art lead at Decagon, are you interested in, in the production side of games? So is this something that you could you could think of like a lead artist or something? So I was a lead artist at Coasting. I was a senior artist at Decagon. Oh, senior, um, but sorry. they did so yeah, it was funny because the the last the podcast I was on for Alex that is the mm -hmm. game dev uh, discussion. Um, yeah, I had, I had been offered a lead position at Decagon, um, and then a week later got the job offer from Ubisoft, mm -hmm. and I had to weigh the two up. Um, so yeah, it all, all kind of came at once. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I was an art lead at Crossing and. I actually the reason I want I ended up taking the Ubisoft job because was because I wanted some time to go back to just being my own artist. Um, when I was a lead, I there was so much stuff I had to deal with that was just not art. Like as you say, it was a lot of production, a lot of organizing, uh, organization, client relations, <laughs> and you know Jira management and. Yeah. People management as well, like making sure that everyone had work and that everyone you know, was doing things on time and that everyone was you know, free of blockers and had the right software. And um, there was a lot of meetings that I had to have with production about budget and milestones. And it was, I wouldn't change it because I think it was incredibly beneficial for my career and my confidence as well. Um, but to, in order to like feel like an artist, I was then coming home and doing work for Decagon and doing personal work. Um, so I was just working like pretty much twenty four seven to try and you know still be doing art for social media and to keep myself relevant as well. Yes. Um, so it's not something I would rule out in the future, um, but right now it's not something I want to go back to. 
Okay, so you just wanted to to be more uh, to be just a real artist and not just a lead artist where you have to handle stuff and you don't have any find any more time to work on on the real yeah. art. And I think it's I think it changes in studio by studio. There are some studios where the leads can do both. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just I personally wanted to take a step back and concentrate just on on my skills as well, especially as we just talked about with you know all this all these new developments and next gen around the corner i wanted to make sure that you know i wasn't letting myself fall behind yeah so you want to be on track with the uh, yeah with the development side mm -hmm. but there was a lot of rewarding things in leading it was because in the last place i um i was also responsible for like the the actual art style mm. and so that was quite nice to have kind of it felt like obviously it wasn't just me on the project and it wasn't me responsible but it felt like I had a little bit of ownership of like a project um and I got to make a lot of the the creative decisions in terms of with like the publisher and stuff so um that was really intimidating and I it meant that I had to have confidence in my decision and just make a decision sometimes but um it was it was really rewarding especially when things started to come together um, it's still in development now. I I left before the early end, but um, yeah, it was it was it was nice to see it running and be like, oh, an actual game that I've been a lead on. It's cool. Yeah, I think when you when you become a lead artist, you really need to get get good in decision making, like weighing things up against each other. Oh, totally. And sometimes you know you won't make the right decision, and sometimes you just have to run with that and be able to live with like the consequences of your yeah, decisions whatever they may be so when do you find time to work in personal stuff at the moment as you being yeah a senior prop artist of ubisoft and you will have much stuff to do i guess yes a lot to do but actually it's a little bit easier at the moment because obviously the quarantine's going on so mm -hmm. i'm not commuting which is for all it's like terribleness it's really nice to get up at 20 to 9 and start work at night in my pajamas yeah you're a you're a you're a night night worker <laughs> but um but yeah because i i'm not freelancing anymore um because i think like a lot of companies have non-compete clauses so uh, you're not able to obviously work on something that would infringe uh, so i'm I, yeah i've i've shelved my freelancing so i've actually got my evenings free I had to do personal stuff, whereas previously I'd done a lot of freelance or I'd done uh, asset packs or bits and bobs. Um, so now I'm just fully focusing on personal work and um, also chilling out as well. I'm doing a lot of baking. I, I've never really baked before, but I've seen everyone else making bread and cakes and uh, I have all this time. So yeah, the the quarantine is bringing out some new bakeries, I guess. Everyone is, <laughs> everyone is baking at the moment. They, they really are, and my Instagram feed is just full of it. Oh. But it's quite nice to have something that's not in front of a screen. Um, yeah, yeah. For me, it's backpack. sports. So, yeah, like, we don't really, we can't really go out uh, yeah. in the UK. Well, we can, but I don't know. It's, it's a weird grey area at the moment. Um, so, but, yeah, um, going back to the, like, the personal work stuff, um, it's been, I think this quarantine has been, well, at least from what I've seen online and for me personally, I've seen so many people learning new things. Like I've seen loads of programmers take up drawing and um, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter 
you know, starting to do tutorials that they'd never had time to do before, which I think is just, it's a really nice wholesome thing to see. Um, I've certainly been doing some tutorials that, you know, were always, you know, like Marvelous Designer. I really wanted to learn that for ages. Um, yeah, I saw it on just, Twitter. just something I never really had time to do until now when I got too much time. And it was just a case of sit down and um, work my way through it. I've got no, I haven't got any, like I said, I've got no freelance stuff that needs to be doing. I've got no personal deadlines. So it's been nice in that respect. So as you just being a prop artist, are you also interested in environment art? Is this something, some field that kind of, yeah, interests you? Yeah. Um, so I am like on and off working on a scene that I've been working on and off for, for about, a, about a year and a half. Um, it got put on the back burner when I joined Decagon because I was, like I said previously, I was um, working a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm working on an Unreal scene that's set in like a, a cafe. So ah, yeah. I do want to go back to that at some point. I always get asked about it, but my, I just say yes to things. And yeah. then I'm just shelving it. Um, Try but, yeah. but no, I do, I do really like environments. And I'm used to working in the engine. Um, like I have um, a second website, a personal website, where I have all like my stylized art and a lot of that was you know in unity so yeah i'm quite comfortable working in engines um it's just not showcased on my art station so you 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 wanna you're always kind of dipping in into the into the environment art yeah yeah i'm quite i'm fine um setting up like materials and working with shaders and set okay. dressing i think my the only thing i struggle with um, it's not that I struggle with the setup. I just um, lighting art basically. I I have such respect respect for lighting artists because I can like put lights in a scene and you know get it lit, but it just it never looks as yeah. cinematic as yeah. um, you know some people that I see on Twitter. I'm just like, oh, it just looks like a film. Um, mm -hmm. Which is maybe something I should look at in quarantine. Maybe I should study cinematography and lighting more. Add that to my this list. is another topic for you. Yeah, <laughs> just keep adding things to the backlog. On side to making bread, maybe. Yeah, and scanning some bits and bobs. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna be like one of those people that just goes around my house, like, <laughs> finding things to scan. Be all sorts of random stuff going online. So, can you give us a, a short difference between uh, a prop artist and an environment artist? Sure. Um, I mean, I can only talk about it from my perspective, yeah, sure. but um, I think, yeah, the main difference is one is on kind of asset creation and the other, like the level artist would just work in the engine um, taking assets and arranging and setting them and working with level designers much more closely. Um, to they, they might touch, Again, it depends on the studio and the project, but it, they might touch some asset creation. You know, maybe the the prop artists or the content creators are, are swamped, and they really need like a like a window or a trim sheet or something. Um, then they they might jump onto making that themselves. So, environment like level artists, environment artists still need to be good at kind of art and creation. Um, they might just not be doing it as much like day to day. And I think they need to have um, 
like all art is about composition right but i mm. think level artists need to have a really good eye for like the bigger picture, the bigger picture. and yeah. a big like a, a everyone needs to understand metrics but i think it comes into play more when you know you're working with design and you're working with like actual levels that the play is going to move around with whereas I think if you're on content creation, it might be more like the info is passed down and you just have to adhere to it. Um, I, again, depends on the studio. I've always worked closely with programmers and designers. So I'm, I'm not, I'm quite used to working with them. Like I'm not someone who just squirrels away and, you know, does my art and hope it's for the best because that's where problems arise and time gets wasted. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we got every every topic I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah, I think we got it covered. So, is there something from your side you just wanna wanna tell the world? Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't prepped anything. Oh, oh no. Okay. Um, check out check out her uh, her tutorial. I think it's it's a good it's a good value. Yes, I hope it, I hope people find it useful. Um, if anyone has any if anyone does go through with it and has any questions they're more than welcome to reach out i've had a couple of people um emailing me already so yeah, yeah so I'm always did happy you get to your help. feedback right oh totally yeah um oh, that's cool that's cool yeah likewise if if anyone ever needed any like portfolio reviews or anything um you can email me i believe that my email is on art station but i'm gonna have to double check because i'm not sure now i've said I will, it i will link your, your portfolio <laughs> as well so everyone um, can check you out yeah my goal for the end of the year is to because this year with the release of the collab stuff um, mm -hmm. from decagon um it's finally gone on to two lines long so now yeah, my goal for the end of the year is to have three lines of images uh, i got you i'm currently that's looking I, at your portfolio yeah that's how i measure <laughs> If I've done enough work, is how many lines have I got on our station yeah. now? So you have like um, now you have seven, ten. You have, you have ten pro projects. So yeah. So what do I need to get up to? Yeah, uh, you need four, four more projects, and oh, you have two, two okay. full lines, and your fifteenth will be. Right, that's my goal third. for the end of the year. That and getting my scene done, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I've been promising for months. Mm -hmm. But. But, but yeah, you got this, I guess, I guess you got lots of time next to making bread. <laughs> yeah, my bread actually turned out all right. Got a little bit burned on the bottom. But <laughs> for my first ever loaf of bread, wasn't bad. All right. So, Hannah, thank you so much for being on my show. Well, thank you for having me on. It's I will been put really all good your information in the, in the info box so people can check you out and also can check out your tutorial. And yeah, uh, well, I hope we'll we'll listen. The the the, the people will listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a brilliant day, a brilliant yeah, weekend. You too. Um, Enjoy your yeah, day. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye, bye.